short bounces. Fancies himself on oh, lovely ball. Still no Roden. Still no Roden. Well Roden from half forward. Kick it goal! Melbourne, F.O. Woden. Melbourne, A. Uve, Primo, and therefore I have much pleasure in declaring Shane Woden is the winner of the 2000 Brownlow medal. Well, Steph, we are back again, and we are so excited again to have another special guest for the second week in a row, which is pretty exciting. Uh, our second special guest on the, on the podcast. A demon icon that played 200 games in AFL and 138 of those were for the Melbourne Football Club. 62 of those were for Collingwood, including two grand finals over those two clubs. And also still to this date is our last Brownlow medalist, Shane Woden. How are you going? Thanks so much for joining us. Afternoon, Tim, Steph. Great to be with you. Thanks for having us on. No, not a problem. The hot topic at the moment is is, uh, is the pandemic. And, and obviously you're over in Perth, which is... Mm which you've been in a little bit of different circumstances to what we've been. How has life been for you for the last few months in terms of COVID and, and family and work and all that? Yeah, so early stages, probably very similar to you in Melbourne, probably to about June, I thought. Um, and then the restrictions here started to ease pretty, pretty quickly. Um, our government, and, or West Australian government, and Mark McGowan's, he's ruthless. He's been, um, he's been terrific for the community and our state, um, which has allowed us to get back to normality, really. And we've probably been like that since probably early June. Um, yeah. I think we're still stage four. We haven't quite released to stage five, um, but everything's shut over here. No one in, no one out. Um, and, and life's normal. So yeah. able to no, get caught up and going this year for kids and community um, and pretty much only half a season, but yeah, back to normal is pretty much. What, what's your earliest football memory as a child, as a kid growing up? Yeah, as a child, um, I was born and raised in a town just north of Perth here called Geraldton. Um, and I played for a, a junior footy club there called uh, Railways Junior Footy Club, uh, which my dad took me to every weekend. So I played my first four years there uh, from you know, under sevens and under nines um, for the, for the Navy blues pretty much. Uh, and just having your old man take you every Saturday morning um, and represent your club and just enjoy a kick around with your mates. Um, that was fantastic. And, and yeah. footy over here, like Melbourne, it's, it's big, it's yeah. everywhere. So um, my first days were, were in Geraldton, running around there, just kicking the footy and enjoying some time with some friends um, with Railways Footy Club. Yeah, awesome. Fantastic. So can you tell us a little bit about your football journey leading up to the AFL? Like you had a couple of cracks at the draft before the D's picked you up, but so you, you debuted for, was it the Sharks in, you got picked up from the Sharks in the Waffle and leading up to yeah. um, your draft year. Yeah. What was that like? Yeah, my journey, my junior footy again after I left Geraldton. So I moved to Perth when I think when I was about 10 um, with my mum and sister and stepfather and I played for a club here called Linwood Ferndale. So I came there through the ranks for six or seven years and then started, at, so I think I was 17 when I represented East Fremantle and the Colts under 18s here. Um, I took year off footy, I think at 16, I had a few injuries and wasn't really enjoying it a hell of a lot. I just wanted to play some school footy, which I was doing well enough and then was invited down to what they call Teal Cup. Um, so you're representing under 18s 
back then, and I was cut, I think, in the first time. But he said, get your get your ass down onto East Fremantle <laughs> and have a crack down there. So yeah. I did, didn't play straight away because I didn't have a pre-season, but I forced my way back into the team or into the team midway through um, 93, I think it was, um, in my 17th year and my yeah. bottom age Colts. And then, yeah, 94 was Colts again um, and then didn't start playing probably senior footy, like reserves is what you call senior footy. Yeah. In 95 and... Yeah, so 95, 96, I was in and out of reserves and senior footy for East Fremantle and made my debut in 95 yeah. um, with Chris Mainwaring, actually, the late Chris Mainwaring, who I debuted with. So he was coming back yeah, from right. his knee reconstruction yeah. um, back then. Um, so, yeah, I had played 11 games of um, senior footy here in those two years. Yeah. Um, my last game was a Waffle Reserves grand final um, here at East Fremantle before I... I ventured over to, to Melbourne and do a pre-season. Yeah, fantastic. It was a, um, I suppose you would have had a pretty determined mindset after, after those sort of two seasons, sort of being, as you said, sort of in and out and, and obviously wanted to keep pushing forward and, and knowing that you would have had a good inkling that you're good enough to, to get a crack at AFL level. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, and, you know, everyone's aspiring to play at the highest level you can. It's a dream yeah. for any boy your childhood yeah. to represent a club at AFL level. And that was certainly one of mine. Um, I was just a bit unfortunate. Mine was a bit later than 18. And that's okay. I yeah. played at 20 my first year at the D's. But um, I missed out on 96. And that was my second draft I missed out on, which was gut-wrenching. But I got yeah. a call from the player welfare manager, Stephen Newport at the time, and said, we'll get you for a pre-season. We want to have a look at you a bit closely. Um, you're like an invitee. I think there was about 15 at Melbourne that pre-season. Yeah. Um, Lee Newton, Robert Pyman, um, a couple others at the time. And so I just pretty much... So they said October will get you over. I didn't come over till about uh, January. Yeah. So right. I only had about two months to prove myself. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, head down, bum up, let's work, let's do whatever you can. Leave yeah. no stone unturned because this might be my last chance. That's exactly yeah. right. It would almost be like... Not, not the opposite, but I suppose if you get drafted, you've kind of, you've got your position there. It is, whereas, you know, doing it in that sense, as you said, you've, you've really got one chance to prove yourself, to get yourself into the team. And you could almost say that that would, yeah, be more of an incentive in, as itself and maybe make yourself or any player in that situation drive, a bit more yeah. hungrier and, and drive to, for success. Yeah. And no one I you had all these infites around you and there was three spots in a pre-season draft to grab and knowing that, yeah, there's 15 at Melbourne training, but it's yeah. the other clubs that had all the other invitees. So yeah, you, you, your chance, there's yeah. no guarantees, but you just had to put everything you could do. And I didn't uh, set great standards with, um, with fitness levels and whatnot, but I was hunger to improve and, and be better and develop myself whilst there and just hunt every coach down and see yeah. what I can do to, um, be on a list and yeah. and I was just going to leave nothing um, on the park as such to to miss because if going back to Western Australia was was not was not an option I just yeah. had to yeah. make sure that this is where I want to play footy this is what I want to do and just see if I'm good enough and you know two months in and got the call into the office of Cameron Schwab and said we'll pick you up so yeah fantastic relief awesome. yeah it was yeah. It, yeah it was a it was a great moment I was in the gym at the time when um, at the Junction Oval when Cameron Schwab um, grabbed me and took him into his office and said, we'll pick you up 
um, tomorrow in the preseason draft. So, you know, oh wow, yeah, that's yeah, awesome. It was an exciting time. Very. So, Shane, when you arrived at the club, was there a particular player that mentored you or took you under your under their wing? Yeah, I think they all did. They all yeah. tried it, but it's more so who you really want to follow around and mm-hmm. who sets great standards, who's got AFL traits, who's working hard. So, the first two I met. Um, on January 6th of 97 when I came into the from the airport and had a look around the Junction Oval. Not mm. much to look at back then. <laughs> um, um, Stephen Tingay and, and Al Clarkson were in the gym and they were the first two. So, And the first week I stayed in Melbourne, I lived with Stephen Tingay. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, a bit of an idol of mine. Absolutely, uh, but yeah. What a, you, what a if player. you want to look at a player who's got work ethic and wants to work hard and will do everything he possibly can to be the player he can be, no better one to jump on the back of Stephen Tingo. There you go. So, 97 obviously wasn't a fantastic year for the Ds, but in 98, we rebounded and, you know, from finishing last in the ladder, we then made it all the way to a preliminary final against North Melbourne. In your, that being your second year of footy, can you, can you tell us a little bit about that year and I suppose how it was to go from, you know, last place in the ladder to, to almost being, you know, being so close to, to premiership glory in that sense? Yeah, you, you look at 97, you, you beat the Kangas in round one, the running premiers by four goals and then next week you get smacked by Collingwood by 110. So, yeah, it was a very up and down year for us, 97. Um, and departure of Neil Baum. Yeah, um, mm. Hutchie taken over, and then Neil coming over ninety eight, taking taking over the the role. Um, yeah, and, and Neil brought a lot to us, harsh but fair, had a structured game style. Um, he took us back to school pretty much. I think we did yeah. a lot of our preseason at uh, Caulfield Grammar that year. Yeah, okay. and went back to school pretty much in this classroom, educating ourselves. Um, on how we want to play and what we want to be able to achieve. So, yeah, it, it was a great season because um, it was pretty much the last year of really all that senior group of players because they were there right at the back end of their career. Yeah. I think Toddy and Gary and that went another year. But 98 was our – I felt 98 was the year that um, – when you look back on it, and it was a different final system back then. Yeah. It wasn't what it is now. It's still a top eight, but um, it was done differently. That was our chance. That was our. That was more of a chance than I felt in 2000. Yeah. And that's yeah, pretty much um, what I was going to talk about, comparing those kind of two sides. Because, yeah, uh, Lee and Shelley said that the other week about 98 really felt like that missed opportunity potentially out of those two, out of those two uh, sort of premiership runs in 98 and 2000, having beaten the Crows in that first final – uh, and then, unfortunately, running into North Melbourne and, and falling to them in '98, kind of ruse as, as '98 would have been would have been the year that you know had you make it to to the grand final that you would have given yourself. Maybe you know Essendon was such a formidable force in that 2000. Yeah, '98 could have been could have been for sure. Yeah, like Adelaide is smacked by ten goals, which because I think we, we finished top fourth. We finished fourth in '98. And mm-hmm. we were storming home in, into September, running Adelaide the G, beat them by 10. Um, so if, if you run a, a, a final eight system, what it is now, you'd go straight to a prelim. But yeah. we went to a semi-final instead and, yeah. and beat, uh, beat St Kilda by 10. Um, and then you take a, another step to a prelim and beat the, and got done by the Kangaroos on a Friday night. So 
I think Shannon Grant went berserk and kicked five and that was the end of it. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Winning two finals, I think, would get you into a grand final. So, we're a bit yeah. disappointed with that. But yeah. I think they changed the final system the following year and um, with the final eight. So, yeah. Oh, missed opportunity, 98, we thought, um, with, with our with our stalwarts and our, our greats of our club yeah. uh, on their last leg. And I suppose yeah. in, in, in a lot of sense, I know we didn't taste the, uh, the ultimate glory in 2000, but I think beating North Melbourne in a preliminary final in 2000 would have been a nice feeling, just a, just a you know, tiny bit of payback in that sense. Yeah, yeah. We'd, uh, we certainly felt confident we could. We're certainly a lot younger than what the Kangaroos were then. Um, yeah. The game was pretty close at halftime, but I, I just felt we had momentum going to halftime. The team had legs... Um, and we were just running over the top of them. It was just a matter of time before we broke them, and we eventually did in the second half. And and uh, it was probably one of the greatest games I've ever been involved with, that that 2000 prelim. Yeah. Um, the squad was on such a high, and the club, the town, um, yeah, we could smell it. <laughs> and, yeah, it, it was just we knew we had to um, jump one more hurdle. Looking at the year 2000, it was a really successful year for the Ds and personally for yourself as well, Shane. Winning the best and fairest, representing Australia in the International Rule Series, then going on to play in a grand final and win the Brownlow medal. In the lead up to the grand final, there was the Brownlow, then the grand final parade, and then the game. So a busy week, exciting week. Can you remember that week really clearly? Can you explain the feeling leading up to all those amazing milestones and all those exciting events? Oh, uh... It's a blur. <laughs> I got a many years ago this year. So, um, all right, look, there was no expectation um, going into Brownlow night. Yeah. Um, no, I think my manager at the time said to me, just to write a speech just in case. You, you never know. Um, yeah. You know, probably like eighth or ninth on the betting line. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's still a few favourites in front that were had good years also. I knew I had a good year. Um, but you just there was no expectation. So mm. uh, leading to the night, it was just a, a fun evening, just expecting to be home by 10.30, into bed early, ready for training <laughs> and have a great week. And it just went it the other changed. way. <laughs> so um, it was a busy couple of days post um, mm. with commitments for myself. But once Wednesday afternoon rocked around, um, it was back to normal, back to work. Yeah. And get and focus on, you know, the biggest game of your life. So yeah. Yeah, the, the grand final parade, the final training session at the Junction Over, which was just packed. There yeah. were people yeah. everywhere. Um, I would jump in the fence and you know, 20 deep all around the fence line. So that was an amazing day. Just to embrace the day, enjoy the atmosphere for what it was. Yeah. Um, you know, that was always, um, you know, great advice from past people who sort of been through those moments that just embrace it, enjoy it. Yeah, um, it is what it is. Look after it and um, and soak it all in. So that's what we did for you know that Friday and the grand final parade and just enjoy the red and blue around the city and get to the steps of Parliament House and, and be done with it and and have a go at it the following day. Yeah, yeah. awesome. So during your time at the D's, you you did sign a couple of contract extensions. Was there ever any temptation to try and find your way back to WA to play footy? Did you ever sort of get that feeling that you wanted to return home? I suppose I might be answering their own question here, but I feel like maybe the tight-knit group and those group of players would have been pretty motivating to stay around. Yeah, absolutely. No, never an inkling to move or come back home. 
I left as a 20 year old and once I arrived in Melbourne, it's been a couple of years, I envisaged that I'd never leave this city ever again. Yeah. Um, it was what I called home. It's where I wanted to play footy. Um, I think Melbourne's the greatest city in the world. I think it's a fantastic place. Um, things have changed now, obviously, a long time from that time. But uh, nah. And like, yeah, 2000, a great year. 01 wasn't great individually, personally, collectively as a group. Yeah. Um, 2002, we sort of that year or something. Was it? We were we fourteenth yeah, or something? Yeah, that, I think. Something like that. We could never put our, we never put our finger on the yo-yo effect year <laughs> in year. I know, crazy. Like it's it's bizarre even to look back at those years from pretty much '98 to 2003, and and literally, as you said, it is a yo-yoing effect. It's um yeah, and bizarre. so 2002 was another good year. And, you know, sort of found myself back in as a bit of form, um, and. We, I think Adelaide knocked us off in the semi, which was yeah. really disappointing. We had a, it was a, it was a real, it was a, it was a shootout that game. I mean, it shouldn't have been because we were confident we could have gone and beaten Collingwood in the prelim. Yeah. In our two, and and then yeah, we went away, and O two was the bombings in Bali, and that's where we were as a footy club. So yeah. Uh, when we come back from that, that was a moment where. Oh, as a young group, really, how how tight we felt, yeah, and how connected we felt as a group. So we thought, oh, can only go forward here, and this is just going to only jealous even more. So, um, yeah, it's amazing the connection and relationships and mateships you make off the footy field, yeah. and um, particularly the year. I was saying this to the um, boys the other night that you know, a question was asked to me about friendships and mateships and what do you take away from the D's. And yeah. um, we are still so very close, that group. And um, it's if you bump into someone five years later and you haven't seen them, it's like you haven't left the place. So that's how close it was. And after 02, um, yeah, I, I felt that 03 was going to be really, really exciting. I was yeah. really looking forward to it. Um, yeah. There was a fire in the belly. There was something to prove. Um, we'd gone away. We had a good time. We are ready to train. And then the shit hit the fan. Yeah. yeah. So, so in that, unfortunately, and it's still, you know, I still remember the day and I know to Damien's fans, I mean, you're such a, you're such a dominant player and a popular player for Melbourne and, and so loved by the fans, but it was a total shock for us, you know, when, when the news came that you were traded and when did you first learn that a trade was potentially on the cards? Um, I'd heard, a, I'd heard whispers whilst we're in Bali. Yeah. Um, mm. Uh, there was just things floating through the airwaves around the group yeah, yeah. And, um, and messages start to come through and it just didn't all make sense. So I just thought, I oh, will just, I'll make a couple of phone calls and as soon as I get back from Bali, I'll nip it in the bud and see where it's at and um, sit down face to face with the rumors and whoever it was. Yeah. Um, and I remember um, Diane and I had a, um, so too. So yeah, fiance at the time. We had a, a, a 24-hour window between jumping off the plane um, from Bali and then going to South Africa and Mauritius on our on our holiday. And um, and I had the coach Neil Danaher around our house, and um, it, it, there were rumours floating around, and he, he admitted to it. But um, yeah. we spoke about a few things regarding the list and where it was at, and conversations around um, pay and all that, and. We nutted out, we shook hands and said, we'll see you in a couple of weeks from, for pre-season. 
Yeah. Um, I've never stepped back in the footy club ever since. Oh, wow. So, so you got the I, news then when you were on your holiday then, Shane? Yeah, so... Finalising. Yeah, it was all... Um, so I had two years to run on the contract. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the fascinating thing, I had a handshake deal with Neil in, in my lounge room on my couch and... Um, We'll see yeah. you back. Thanks for the help. We'll see you back at the D's in a couple of weeks. And so, yeah, but when I went to overseas, it was just a um, horrendous couple of weeks just um, dealing with what was happening in Melbourne. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, some strong conversations had with all and um, a few things, uh, a few expletives being said between mm. both parties. Um, yeah. Mm. In the day, I just made it and... I just made it really clear that, yeah, I just wanted to be at a place that wanted me as a player and as a person. So, yeah. Because yeah. you just signed an extension, as you said, like, wasn't it only the previous year that you just signed? Was it 2001? Uh-huh. Signed yeah. It? Yeah. So in middle of my, end of my, middle to the end of my shit year at Melbourne in 01, I signed a, uh, an extension to um, end of 04. Yeah. Yeah. So I had two years. I had two, three, and four to run uh, at the D's. So I did two and thought I had a reasonably good year. I yeah. definitely improved on um, 01. And, um, but, uh, but for some reason, the, uh, the best and fairest didn't see, see that. Yeah. And yeah, so I just made a decision at a club chasing me really hard and, yeah. and wanting the services and just welcoming. And then it, I had my club mm. you know, and we don't want you anymore. So, um, yeah. yeah and, it, and there's been days over the the past since, you know, do I, do I, um, and should I back myself in and stayed? Mm-hmm. Um, or do I go and try and get into a new club and, and take it from there? And um, I, I chose the latter. I said, no, nah, it's time to go. I want to be at a club that wants me. Yeah. And, yeah, made the decision and took off and played the black and white. Well, yeah, yeah. And I, th- I think. Per- yeah, sorry, Steph. I was just gonna say, personally, like no. I think that's, I think that's got to be a huge part of belonging to a club. Like, obviously, you were such, it didn't damage any of your relationships at, at the, with the mm. players. Like, you would have that tight knit group is not the people that you want to leave. But it would be pretty deflating being such a, you know, such an important member to a club from a public point of view and from an internal point of view from the players to then be told that you're not wanted. I could. You know, completely understand in that sense. I suppose it was the side that that we didn't we didn't hear we didn't hear that obviously as as fans mm. and as the public. It was just to have a player of your caliber traded in the midst of their the peak of their career was was unheard of. And especially you know, as you said, coming off the back of a really good year, you know, two years out of playing a grand final and a Brownlow medalist, it was just shocking. But at the same time, yeah. you do have to look after yourself. And yeah, it's always going to be it's always going to be a decision to be made, I guess. Yeah, it was. It was difficult at the time, um, having make it when you're overseas and not, yeah, not in you know sitting with your manager, sitting with your people around you, and and just having the time to be able to just um, take it all in and see where it sits and where it's at. Um, and but at the time, yeah, it was a, yeah, it, it wasn't a great time in in my footy career, no doubt, because you mm. you wanted to be a one club player, you know. Yeah. Um, I was vice captain. Um, yeah. I was enjoying learning under David Neitz and assisting and supporting David, uh, and taking my game to another level and 
um, developing myself as a leader, both on and off field and um, having good people around me. Um, but, yeah, but at the end of the day, just, it was not, it's not necessarily about what was making decisions for myself. Yes, there's the footy side of things, but yeah. Um, I, yeah, I just, I just wanted to be at a club that I felt valued at. 100%. Both as a person, but certainly as a player. And I just wasn't having those conversations and they weren't coming back the other way from the mm. D's. And um, I just felt there was just no support there. And I just said, right, I will right now um, deadline. I think I just, I'd signed the release, the transfer like minutes before trade had finished. That's yeah. how close wow. it went to. Yeah. Wow. Um, I've got a call from Fremantle. Would you be consider coming home while I was yeah. over there? Oh, said, really? Uh, so I'd, I dug a bit deeper around that one to see where that one was going. But, that was a bit of a furphy, I think, just to see where I was at. So, um, was Farmer at the yeah, just, Dockers by then? Uh, Can't remember if he was. I mean, with, uh, 2003? I think it was three. One. Uh, maybe yeah, not. I can't remember when. Yeah, I think he left after. Yeah. After. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a prickly ending. It was a cold ending. Yeah. yeah. Um, with the D. And yeah, it wasn't the way that. You wanted to leave. No, no and unexpected. So you said when you haven't set foot back in the club, are you st- like, is that still kind of to this day in terms of haven't really had any sort of dealings with them since then? No. I, mean, no. I looked after Brisbane, I'd look to venture back to Victoria to continue my coaching. Yeah. Um, I chat to the club back then. Um, but, yeah, I haven't had any involvement really with the club since I left. So yeah. I haven't been to a best and fairest. Um, yeah, it's just, just, it's all, yeah, life's just gone different yeah. avenues and different ones and we're doing different things. So such a shame. So the transitions happened, you're, you're heading into Collingwood. What was, what were the main sort of differences, I guess, that you saw between the two clubs once you began at Collingwood? Um, power, mm. money, Leadership, yeah. uh, leadership on field, leadership yeah. off field. Yeah. yeah. Eddie Maguire. So people were ringing me when I was in Mauritius. It was Eddie, Neil Balm, who was obviously I'd coached me at Melbourne. Yeah. Um, Moldhouse, Nathan Buckley. Uh, they were all ringing and just really saying, we know you've got big decisions to make, but we'd love you to have you at our club. And this is the what role we could see you playing. And, this is the value you could add to our organisation. Um, help mentoring the kids and coming through and it, working with Nathan through the midfield and doing these things. So I went, yeah, righto. It's, mm. it's, it's there. Yeah. Um, and so then, yeah, the, the leadership was huge. And I know money speaks and power, but the two different clubs in terms of... So I went into Vic Park first. And that was an old dungeon, pretty similar to um, the Junction Oval. Yeah. But, I think midway through my second year is when we moved to the Lexus Centre. Wow, that's where nice. <laughs> Yeah, that's where facilities yeah. um, for me was extraordinary. But oh, they've been over backwards, the pies, to if there's anything in the gym that was not there that I would like, um, staff that are able to help out and assist you both on and off field. Yeah, P- playing group, terrific. Oh, my playing group in Melbourne was fantastic, but yeah. all clubs are the same. They're just ripping blokes. Yeah. And um, so, but yeah, off field leadership, extraordinary, um, successful organisation. It was just 
they just played in the grand final too. So um, still had a very, very good list and felt like they could contend again. Yeah. Um, yeah. And training standards. Yeah. I, I thought I trained really hard and, and smart at the D's. Um, and we thought we did as a group. I got to Collingwood. It was just, I was another level, another level. You know, you got to train and work with Scott Burns and Nathan Buckley and senior players. And, you know, I learned a lot off Bucks as a player. Yeah. I can imagine. On field. Yeah. Yeah. He was, he was extraordinary for me when I came across. Um, and yeah. So in terms of training standards and how hard you train and what you got to train. Yeah. It was another level. So, Shane, at the end of 2005, your, your time with Collingwood did, did come to an end. Um, you were determined to continue your playing career. Like, obviously, I think falling out of favour uh, with the, you know, um, with getting regular games that season. But you did nominate for the draft and unfortunately weren't selected. Reflecting back on it now, you're glad, you, you, you're glad your career kind of finished off then or would you have liked it to keep going somewhere else or um, something, something along those lines? Would you have... Do you think, looking back on it now, did it, did it end at the right time? No, God, no. Yeah. Uh, I was 29, um, fit, and I'd, I'd come run up in the BNF in 04 at the Pies. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, 05 uh, started okay. I think I was dropped in around six. I still don't know why. Yeah, okay. It's kind of what I've got now. But, and then uh, come back in, dropped again. Um, I was on 194 with six games to go. Um, yeah. But so, but 05, Mick, oh, man, I love Mick. He's, um, yeah, we finished in 05 again, pretty cold. And because as a player, I've always said, you, as a player, you ride the emotions of the game all the time. It's an emotional game as a player, yeah. as a coach as well. But um, you want to play for as long as you can. And I felt I had still a lot left in me at 29. Yeah. Um, Back then, we'd finished 14th and 16th in those two years. I think Mick had to be seen to making some decisions on lists and stuff. So, um, you know, Scott Burns uh, was 12 years in. He's a star of Collingwood. And I was just yeah. at that age bracket where we could probably move him on here. Um, hasn't spent that long here, three years. So um, it was a bit unfortunate. But Mick came to me around 11 and he came to my house around my yeah. dining table and start looking for a new home then yeah um, oh, as much as you're gutted and filthy and you're not happy with it you've still got to be able to perform and play the year out and for yourself to maybe get on another list or wherever it may be so you yeah. had to had to continue to work hard and try find that new home but i was let go end of 05 i trained with the kangaroos for six weeks yeah leading to christmas i thoroughly enjoyed that that was um a lot of fun um, great who footy club. Coach, who would have been coached then? 96. Bailey was the coach. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, but, oh, wonderful organisation. Out at Arden Street. Jim was in a, um, in a social club next to nothing with the facility. But yeah. in terms of fabric and, in, uh, and a, of a football club, the kangaroos and the spirit monks there was extraordinary. I loved it. So I was hoping I was going to get there. Didn't eventuate. Yeah. 29. Back then, that 05 period, middle of that decade, a lot of clubs were going youth and your birth certificate was going to count against you a lot of the time. Whereas now you see 
30 year olds getting picked up and that's right yeah, yeah you know, absolutely like i did with mitchell and lewis and <laughs> yeah what you can add value to hodge to a list yeah. extraordinary but back then i remember having a conversation with clark he goes you you're in my best 18 yeah but i'll promise them we're going youth so yeah um, I, that, that was it I, I gave myself 12 months I'll do everything I possibly can in 06 to yeah. see if I can get back on the list, give myself 1% chance that I'll get picked up knowing I didn't get done in 05, but I'll have a crack at it. Yeah. Um, I played for Eastern Randall, come back to the club that I was drafted from, try to get them back on track again. Um, and look, had a good year individually, collectively not a good as a club, but um, didn't get drafted and didn't get picked up again. So, and Is there the any whispers? Was done at the end. No one, no one sort of reached uh, out like even slightly. No, no, not really. I had a few conversations after, um, after the Collingwood time. I spoke to about yeah. seven or eight clubs, but no, nothing in concrete. So they just obviously thought, nah, we're going a different path. And I understood mm-hmm. that that was okay. So it just had to be done and there, and two hundred was enough. Yeah, yeah, not a bad number to finish on. But I'm sure, as you said, yeah. not not uh, yeah. Not enough in your eyes, and yeah, completely understandable nah, in that sense. Had so. Sixty, probably in me. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Shane, you played with a number of great forwards over your career. So David Needs, Russell Robertson, David Schwartz, to name a few. Tim and I were chatting about this. Surely Jeff Farmer would have to be close to the most talented forward that you took the field with. Would you agree with that one? Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favourite memory of Jeff Farmer as your teammate? And should he have won goal of the year, nineteen ninety eight? We personally think he stole it off you. <laughs> he stole it off, and I still, yeah, uh, one of the greatest teammates of all time. Yeah, um, uh, one of the best. Yeah, memories of Jeff Farmer getting sprayed by Neil Danaher. Um, there was a day we uh, we played Geelong. Down at Kidinia Park, I think 99, he had the red boots on. He hadn't had a kick till half time. He got sprayed. Oh, unbelievable spray. The way the day he kicked um, nine and missed the, hit the post on his 10th <laughs> against the Pies at the D. I think that was two. Yeah. Now, he got sprayed at half time there and him yeah. pointing up to the coach's box after every goal he kicked, <laughs> giving him <laughs> six, seven, eight. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, their, their memories. The Marky took on Gary in '98. Yeah, against yeah. the Tigers. Iconic. Yeah, specials. Yeah, that's a that's a, yeah, um, a picture perfect frame right there. Yeah, the eight in the prelim in 2000. Um, yeah, just oh talented. Will we, we yeah. shattered he left. He, he was a he was an unbelievable player and um, he, he reached some highlights in at Frio. But I just I reckon I've, I've said this before. I he's the best small forward um, to play the game. He was unbelievable. Yeah. He definitely, uh, yeah, I feel like, I don't know if he slides under the radar, but obviously the current maybe generation at the moment wouldn't be as as privileged to see a lot of his highlights. And he's one of those players that, you know, especially in Damien's fans' eyes, that that goes down as one of the greatest forwards in history and and a once-in-generational talent in terms of, you know, you can't, Really, I can't imagine any players at the moment really turning around and kicking nine and a half, you know, at any club, to be honest. I mean, I'm sure they could, but, you know, I think to do that on multiple occasions, I had that in his arsenal to be, to be, you know, yeah. to be pumped up like that at, at halftime and turn around and swing a game like that. 
Uh, it's pretty, yeah. pretty, yeah, pretty crazy. James obviously evolved and changed so much, and he probably, when the ground was long back then, he was always probably more permanent deep inside 50. So yeah, he was able to use his strengths and his weapons to be able to take and be one-on-one more so against opponents because you're so strong and so clever and airily very, very good for his size. He was hard to match up on. So you know, there were days when you walk in the gym and we're all there pushing weights and been there for 20 or 30 minutes. He'd walk in, just strutty stuff, come in, <laughs> not warm up, put 120, 130 on the bar, unrack it, one rep, rack it, and then walk straight back out again. So I'm done, boy. <laughs> So, oh, that's great. Yeah, un- unbelievable player and a ripping bloke. He was a fantastic teammate, a fun banter in the change rooms. Yeah. Um, yeah, special human. Special. Yeah. Oh, I can imagine. Awesome. And you played, obviously, with a lot of them over the years, but I know just thinking about it and watching a few highlights, he's, he's certainly certainly one that comes to mind. So uh, post your playing career, you, you, you've transitioned now in, into coaching, um, which has obviously become a passion and a career for yourself. So you spent some time with Brisbane before now settling back home in Perth and what drew you to coaching, I suppose, initially and have you found that experience across those different settings? So both, both coaching at an AFL level and, and at a local level as well too. Yeah, I've loved it. I've yeah. loved it. It's, um, it's good fun. It's kept me in the game. Yeah. Uh, I've loved footy. I've always loved footy. It's what I grew up on. It's probably all I know really and it's probably where we didn't work hard enough as players whilst playing the game, what's next in life and how you transition yeah. this Um I probably got into coaching when I finished um, at Collingwood and came back to Western Australia for those two years at East Roman while I was doing some corporate work there and working in a recruitment firm and it wasn't for me. It didn't see myself being that. And I could have done something else, but I just said, right, I've got to make a decision here. So I, I sat down with a few of Mac's coaches. I came over to Melbourne again and sat with Mick um, sat with Neil because he was at West Coast at the time. Yeah. Um, sat with uh, Brian Royal and just just picked their brains about coaching. And um, Mick Mick said to me, and the best advice I got, he says, just go and coach your own club. Because I asked him, do I assistant, senior, what do I do? What's the yeah. best avenue? He goes, go and coach your own club. You'll gain so much experience. So after the um, after the um, my waffle career finished in 07. East Mount, I sacked their, I sacked the coach and I applied. I didn't think I'd get it, um, but I got it. Yeah. So I coached the group. I coached East Mount, senior side for three years post playing and, um, and really, really enjoyed it. So it's the, it's because you miss as a player, you miss the, you miss the change room, you miss yeah. the camaraderie, yeah. you miss the banter, but I miss, you miss the competitiveness of what footy's about. But you can get it in other ways off field, and the coaching box is that for me. Um, yeah. Making decisions on the run, uh, but then on the flip side, nurturing and developing young talent, um, seeing young boys become young men very quickly, um, seeing how they transition off field and what they do. Um, so many avenues are part of it. So you can be a mentor and a father figure, and yeah. a coach. Um, mm. Yeah, it was such a lot of fun. So that's what kept me in the game, and then. I did three years at East Fremantle and I ummed and ahed about a fourth um, and I probably could have and should have, but I decided to seek what was out there in the AFL industry and 
that's when um, Brisbane came knocking and Vossi gave me a call and said, we'd love to have a chat. And so I caught up with him that Brownlow year. And um, a couple months later, I'd, I was at Brisbane as their midfield yeah. coach. Yeah. So um, just uproot the family again and <laughs> back to the other side of the country. Yeah. Um, yeah. And spent six years there in, a, in the multiple roles. Yeah. Um, yeah it wasn't a, some good times and some bad times. The club mm. was struggling. It's great to see them where they are now. I'm, mm. yeah. I'm, I'm happy for them. Yeah. Uh, but I spent six years there, and I just decided that after 16, that it was time for something different, and then I needed to learn some something new, um, new coach, new methods, um, seeing how things are done differently in other organisations, and continue to explore and develop myself as a coach. So, um, yeah. end of 16 is when the soft cap came in. So footy department spending was equalised. Mm. So rather than clubs employing, they were getting rid of coaches. So I found it really yeah. difficult to move around. Um, and being at Brisbane at the time and not playing all that well was uh, probably didn't help either. Yeah. So yeah, that's right. Uh, I had a I had a I had a crack at the National Academy head coach, which I applied for in Melbourne. Missed out on that. Then once that was done, I said I've just got to I'll go home and yeah. um, I just the family back home, which they were relieved with. A couple of my kids yeah. were pretty excited to come back and get yeah. around family again and nestle them back into school and um, and bring them up here in WA. Yeah, yeah. that's fine. Awesome. It's, funny, it's funny. I was talking to talking to one, like, so myself, Steph, and Steph, sorry, uh, both primary school teachers, and I was talking to, so I got grade five, six, and I was talking to my kids today, and I was telling me about this, and, you know, tonight and having a chat with a former, another former Melbourne player, Shane my Woden, and, and I was sort of, I'll forget for a second that none of these kids have been born before 2000 and, you know, well, like, like they're, 10 they're 11, old, they're yeah. 2009. Yeah. However, I've got Who's one that? kid. Yeah. Uh, well, funnily enough, I have one kid who is absolutely mad Brisbane and he mm. said, he goes, oh, hang on. Did he, did he coach at Brisbane? I was like, yes, he did. And he's like, oh yeah. And his mum, it's funny, his mum's actually a, uh, the head netball coach, or I think head netball coach at Collingwood yeah. Netball Club. But he's like, oh, did he also yeah, play for is. Collingwood as well too? And it's like, yeah, it was yeah. great to make this oh, connection. Even, <laughs> oh, yeah. It's safe to the parents and they'll know what's going on. Yeah, yeah, that's right. But it was great that he had that inkling, like, because he's, he is Brisbane nut and he just, yeah, like he yeah. pulled that up from uh, from nothing because, yeah, I wouldn't expect it from anyone else. But, yeah, no, that was, that was pretty exciting. <laughs> I learned a lot of Brisbane. I learned a lot. Yeah. yeah. Um, a lot about my coaching. I learned a lot how to do things, how to not do things, uh, and yeah, and grow as a person. Um, being away from from family over here, but then just having yourself and your own little family, immediate family in Brisbane, how yeah. you grow there as a, as a as a family as well. So um, yeah, I grew up again pretty quickly um, and learned how to um, hopefully because when I coached East from Man, I didn't find the balance in my life with Freddie yeah. and my, my family. So um, that had to take shape pretty quickly. Otherwise you're going to lose a lot. So yeah. I had to um, balance and get a better work-life balance. Um, so important, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's yeah. so consuming as a coach. It really is. Cause it'd be hard to switch uh, off. I can imagine. Yeah. As a player, cause once the game's finished and training finished, you can just go home and be yourself yeah. and do what you do but as a coach you move on pretty quickly from week mm. to week um so yeah game's finished but i've got to review that but then i've got to preview the next one to go to the next opposition so 
it's just a constant seven days a week and there's not mm. much downtime. So, um, but that's the, the competitive nature of the business and what it yes. is. So, yeah, I love it. So right now I've, I've come back. I wanted to have a year off coaching when I came back here just to refresh and yeah. um, um, find the, the love again. I, yeah. I really found the love with the game or the coaching side of things in Brisbane the last year. Uh, yeah. And I just have a few beers and what they call the shark pit here, watching my old team play. But uh, a local amateur team here in WA uh, kept hounding me and hounding me. And <laughs> so I eventually caved in. Yeah. And I said, I'll give you 12 months. Um, yeah. I've been there, I've been there four years. <laughs> yeah. uh, I've loved it. Oh, I've yeah. loved it. I love the community aspect Literally. of it all. It's two days a week. It's just rips you right back to um, grassroots footy. Yeah, grassroots footy. Having a couple of beers with the boys on a Thursday night and weekends, but really seeing where they're at, getting pushing yourself back to their shoes again when they're working yeah. 10, 12 hour days and um, getting out of the bubble. How awesome. So looking back on your career, both playing and coaching, is there a particular learning or a lesson that is significant to you that still stands out? The trade period's been big. Yeah. And I guess yeah. now, even with it all going on, it probably brings you right back to your own experiences as well. Yeah. A lot of players that are in the same boat probably now. Yeah. I'll look at the Trelaw situation. Yeah, oh, gosh, I know. Uh, that one brings back huge memories. Yeah. You know, and you feel for it's him. Like, yeah, very little, much so. Look, uh, look, I'm 44 now and time's moved on pretty quickly. But, um, yeah, yeah, I'll never miss the game. I love yeah. the game. I think you can always feel like you can play yeah. and you can do it. <laughs> yeah. I have banter with my son now, you know, at 17, and I still love to be able to take you on and have fun. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the trade period for one for me. Yeah, it just um, it, it's, at the times it ripped your life upside down. Yeah, and, doesn't it? Um, you got to move on pretty quickly. That's what the footy does it's a business for everyone really and mm. um so that that was a pivotal moment it was yeah. a pivotal moment for me um and um getting the job at east from Annal, yeah um straight out of playing no coaching experience yeah at all and then for a club to to go right oh, we're going to put you in charge of our um of our of our footy club I had to learn pretty quickly and and my family taught me a few lessons too along the way about, you know, that mm. work-life balance. And, mm-hmm. and but I learned pretty quickly one, one about coaching and what it takes um, and being the face of everything. Um, so, yeah, from that first year, a steep learning curve on, on coaching, on connection yeah. and how to work with players and what's more important to them and their lives and livelihoods. But, yeah, how to bring a group closer together um, and, and for me, being a better person. Yeah. I think, yeah, yeah as absolutely. you said, like I know as a teacher, and I suppose you'd, you'd resonate with this as a coach as well too, but, you know, adversity and, and all the little bumps and things that happen during life, just, you know, ref- whilst it might feel like it's a pretty crap time at that specific point in time, you look back on it now and it really kind of builds you who you are today and, and you use those lessons and those experiences to, to channel into, you know, your coaching, as you said, because you've, you've experienced such a vast range of different scenarios where, you know, that nobody could dream of, but at, at the end of the day, it kind of, it does really kind of shape who you are and, and, and how you are to other people, especially I'm sure that comes to when you're yeah. coaching, when you're coming across young talent and seeing boys that might be going through, uh, you know, similar situations or something that you can definitely relate to. 
Yeah, absolutely. Oh, and I get the question asked all the time because, um, you know, who do you support? Mm-hmm. Uh, who do you follow? What are you close to? And for me, uh, and it's amazing the response I get because I always say, look, I, I support the game now. Mm-hmm. I, I really do. And I love watching every game, every team, and I can do it all weekend. I don't support one club anymore. Mm. Um, yes, I played six years at Melbourne and three years at Pies, but I support both of them because I, I, I see it now where I'm so very fortunate to have played at two great clubs, two very different footy clubs, but enjoyed experiences with both. And I can yeah. have connections yeah. with both teams. Um, and at times I've felt over the journey that I've felt closer to Collingwood post-footy yeah. um, through mateships and people there, but also connection post-career and what we're doing together. Um, but and that's how I reflect on it now, just going how lucky I was to, again, play in another grand final, which Melbourne have never done. Yeah, that's right. I've got to play with some of the greats of the game, uh, be coached by another great. Yeah. Um, and got to play with the biggest club in the land. Um, Absolutely. Best know, facilities. <laughs> yeah, best facilities, Anzac Day, grand final. Yeah, Anzac Day course. Yeah. Grand one against Richmond. Just couldn't get bigger crowds and bigger moments. Um, mm. Uh, yeah, I got to experience so different levels of footy. Yeah. Yeah. And um, but those three years at, at Collingwood were, were amazing. It was, although the, the final year was tough, but those first two years were just simply amazing. Yeah. That's awesome. Sounds, sounds like a great experience, but however, you haven't, haven't softened my emotions in the Collingwood Football Club, sorry. <laughs> As a Melbourne supporter, <laughs> it's pretty easy to, uh, yeah, to be pretty fierce against them. But, Jane, we've just got a couple of quick fan questions that came through uh, just, to, just to finish it off. The first one we had, uh, and you spoke about your son, Taj, before, but any chance that, that he might be uh, you know, a future father-son prospect for, well, we hope the Melbourne Football Club, but I know he'd be eligible for both <laughs> clubs. So. Yeah. Look, look, Taj is a, uh, he's 17. He'll be 18 in March. He is a potential father-son. Yeah. Um, footy head. Yeah. He's exactly like me. And he loves his footy. Um, so he's finished his PSA, what they call school system here. Yeah. This year. Um, so he's just graduated. Um, he knows he's got a lot of work to do. He knows it's an option. He wants to play AFL footy. It's his dream. It's his ambition. Yeah. Um, but he knows he's got a lot of work in front of him to get to that level and a lot of hard work in the next 12 months. Um, oh, but I, I hope so. I hope he's. I, by his mm. father, but he's yeah. got AFL traits. He's got yeah. um, what it takes. One thing I like about Taz, it's his, it's his work ethic, it's his commitment. And you don't have to tell him whether it's his academics. He just goes and gets it done and studies. And yeah, does all great that. attitude. Oh, yeah, brilliant. It's awesome. 17-year-old. So, yeah, fingers crossed. <laughs> um, and, yeah, yeah, I hope so, but um, only time will tell and whether or not yeah. he's good enough and people will see he's good enough. Um, massive Melbourne fan he is. Indeed. Oh, that's, that's, <laughs> that's, oh, yeah. no, there you go. That's, <laughs> that's a good start. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's red and blue through the veins. Yeah. Um, yep. Jack Vine is his favourite. Um, he loves the Ds. He's filthy when they lose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's passionate. He's passionate. Awesome. Now, I love that we have um, mentioned, we've actually touched on this a little bit already, but don't know if some of your uh, old teammates, Shane, might have stitched you up a little bit here and come <laughs> on with a couple of their own fan questions. However, we've, we've heard, we've heard on good authority that back in the day you didn't mind, didn't mind a manicure and may have had a bit of a bromance with Stephen Tingay. 
Might have even inspired the bleached blonde hair. Can you confirm <laughs> or deny? I wonder who this is. It'd be one of them, surely. Um, yes, like we certainly looked after ourselves in the time. And they, um, yeah, the, the, the looking after the body. I think as they always say, look good, feel good, play good. Yeah, um, like that. That's a good one. Yeah, so the, oh, there's no secret like the solarium's copped a hiding in the time. <laughs> um, uh, once a week. Every week, um, uh, yeah, bleach. I think, yeah, you probably learn a few things off others. And Stephen was certainly an idol of mine. And um, yeah, I, I, I don't know what inspired me to bleach the hair because it was probably not me when I went over to Melbourne. Yeah. Something that I would do. Yeah. Um, but I just thought, nah, bugger it. I'm just going to do something different. And you know, you were known for your blonde locks. I feel. Me. Yeah, it was yeah, very two thousand. My, my kids now are trying to get me back to doing it. So, <laughs> Go on, Dad. It seems, to, it seems to be creeping back in, bleach, like blonde it tips, is. isn't it? <laughs> I, started coaching, I, got rid of, I got rid of it when I started coaching. Yeah. I kept it for till the my, end of my playing days. And then, um, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, but yes, I can't deny it. <laughs> Love it. That's and the, the, la the last one we got here was uh, that you were generally in very good form on footy trips, and a particular one to Cancun, I've been told, was a bit of a highlight for you. Is there anything that you are willing or able to, <laughs> to tell us about that trip? <laughs> Any highlights of that footy trip to Cancun? Yeah, we spoke about the day. So, 99, I reckon, Cancun was. Yeah, probably the greatest footy trip. Best destination we'd been to, furthest we'd been to, longest flight ever. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, 32 hours, I think it took us to get to um, destination Cancun. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, great experience. As I said before, this is where you learn to know your teammates better and get yeah. to know them better, get to connect with them. And yeah, I'd, I think so. Europe in 2000, 99 Cancun, I think 98 Kosamui. I think awesome. 97 after the first year, when I went to the Gold Coast because we were so bad that year. Um, <laughs> couldn't afford to go anywhere else. Yeah. But, um, yeah. yeah, but some good, some good times. No, fantastic. Awesome. Well, that pretty much wraps it up. Thank you, Shane. We're so grateful for your time and yeah. thanks for the fantastic insight into what was such a decorated career, not only as a player, but also, you know, got some great, uh, you know, great insight about you as a coach and, and your career now as well. So it's really great to hear about how you're going. So we really appreciate it. And we do wish you all the best in your coaching career and at North Frio. And, and yeah, you'll always still be a, a demon to, to us fans. And again, uh, yeah, we wish that you stay well and stay safe with your family during this whole time. But again, we, yeah, we can't, can't thank you enough. Thanks again. My absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Look forward Don't to next shame. time. Thank you very much. There you go. Uh, See you later. Yeah. Take care. Bye.